This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am so sick of summer. I can't wait for October. I can't wait for playoff baseball. I can't wait for the other sports to resume because my favorite baseball team stinks and I'm so over it. But my favorite baseball team, the Chicago White Sox, are not the only team in town, unfortunately. There's actually another team in town. They're called the Chicago Cubs. They have been on a roll lately. In fact, I think since the All-Star break, they have a top five record in Major League Baseball. I could be a little off on that, but they're right there near the top of the standing since the All-Star break uh, concluded. And there's nobody I'd like to welcome on right now more than somebody who has a fresh, brand new podcast called Bums in the Bleachers. Of course, I'm talking about my good friend, Mike Prasnowski. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, Vinny. How are you doing? Very, very good. Your Chicago Cubs have been on a roll lately. But before we get into all that, I want to know, how did it start? You shy sports bums? That's obviously it kind of started as a White Sox-themed little thing they were doing over there. And now here comes Mike Prasnowski, who, in my opinion, you love White Sox Twitter more than you love Cubs. <laughs> and nobody, nobody's going to argue that with me. You, you honestly are – you're probably right about that. Yeah. And point. so you weaseled your way into doing a Cubs podcast on a White Sox network. <laughs> I love it. I love to see it. How did that all come to be, though? Um, well, uh, a couple months ago, uh, Jason, the head bum in charge from uh, from the Chicago Sports Bums, he reached out to me via Twitter. Uh, he, you know, we'd been following each other for a little bit, you know, through, you know, all the various networks that uh, – White Sox Twitter has created with podcasts, you know, all stemming from 108 mostly. But, um, you know, I, I, I've always been friendly with those guys. And uh, he reached out to me saying that uh, they want to expand a little more. They wanted to come over to the other side of town, maybe uh, get some more in-depth coverage on like the Bears and the Bulls and the Blackhawks too. But, uh, you know, their forte was, uh, was the White Sox in baseball. They wanted to take the first step with crossing over to the other side of town with the Cubs. So I'm here and uh, I co-host the show with, uh, with John, AKA the Dram Daddy, AKA Drammy Sosa. Um, we record every uh, Monday night uh, at Monday or Sunday night, depending on what his work schedule is like. Um, yeah. We're two episodes in, we're enjoying it. It, it. It's funny. We like ever since the, the, introductory episode of the bums where uh they all had 
you know, they had their regular show and they had me and John on. The Cubs have taken off like crazy. They are, uh, as you mentioned in your intro, um, yeah, they are one of the best teams in baseball since the All-Star break. I don't know after their loss last night where they stand, but going into play last night, they were the best team in the National League since the All-Star break. That's very, very cool. And, hey, you're doing a great job. I can't wait to see how this thing progresses for you. And, you know, all the power in the world to you on this new podcast that you're involved in. I do want to know, before we get into the 2023 Cubs, I mean, you're obviously a Cubs fanatic. You enjoy this team as much as anybody I've ever followed on social media. And you're big into it. How did it all start? Was there a player for you when you were younger, a family? Like, where did it all start for you in terms of being a Cubs fan? It's funny you ask that because, like, there's a very, like, real possibility that I could have grown up on the same side as you and rooting for the White Sox because um, my grandfather was uh, – he he was born in Italy and he came over in the 1960s. He wound up getting a job with the White Sox in the 70s when Bill Veck owned them with a contract to uh, – to uh, fix the typewriters in their office buildings. And uh, my mom and my uncle, they got to go to a lot of Sox games as a kid. You would have thought that that would have been enough influence for me, but you see one of them right there, Sammy Sosa. He was my favorite player growing up as a kid. Uh, In my opinion, I know this isn't a popular opinion, he's the greatest Cub of all time. They need to bring him back, need to retire that number. It's a shame that he hasn't been back since he has retired. I mean, big influence also is my dad. He uh, he was born on the Northwest side. You know, he comes from a long line of Cub fans, too. So, you know, I, I, as much as like it really took off with my my mom's side being Sox fans, my mom wasn't as big of a sports fan as my dad was. And I kind of took more after my dad, but definitely still have the appreciation for all that, you know, all that they've gone through as as fans of that team. Absolutely. I mean, I agree on Sammy Sosa. So I I know you like to have a little bit of, you know, fun and joking inside of you. Do you think it would be funny if the White Sox brought back Sammy Sosa? He did play for them once upon a time. And I like that would be a good way to like the Sox aren't really in the good graces with folks like me right now or the people on White Sox Twitter or basically anybody that likes this team. Funny. Yeah, seeing Rick Hahn's comment from a couple days ago. Yeah, I I don't think you guys are really in favor with them. No. That would hurt me a little bit, to be honest with you. But, I mean, it would make sense to see him welcomed back by the White Sox. I mean, I, I think I saw that floated around a little bit, too, in, like, the years in, uh, you know, 2017, 2018, when the Cubs were still, you know, flying pretty high off the World Series. You guys were still in a rebuild. But at the same time, you know, there was a, a big clamoring from Cub fans from my generation that still love Sammy because he's, you know – for, for a Cub fan that's of your and my age, in our mid to late 20s, Sammy Sosa was probably your favorite player growing up. And, you know, it's a shame that, like, we, you know, we get told these stories by our parents about Ernie Banks and Ron Sano and Ryan Sandberg and Fergie Jenkins. And they get, they all get welcomed back to the ballpark well after they retired. They still get honored to this day, even after a few of those guys had passed on and, you know, rightfully so they're great players too, but it's kind of unfortunate that like they get their moments to celebrate the players they grew up rooting for, but not really me. Like I, I feel a little cheated by that, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, we were kids during the steroid era, so all of our favorite players either weren't good enough to be in the Hall of Fame because they chose not to do steroids. Like, if Paul Konerko decided to do steroids in his mid-20s, he probably would have hit 550 home runs and had a couple extra, you know, doubles and triples. Not triples, because he was slow as hell. But, you know, he probably would have had statistics that favored the Hall of Fame, but he would have been kept out. Why? Because he was on steroids. And so, basically, outside of Frank Thomas and... You know what, though? You know what, though? Paul Canerco was, like, seemingly a nice enough guy. He wasn't really a shit talker that, like, he maybe might have gotten in the same way that David Ortiz had gotten in, even with all the speculation and everything. Um, another thing we were, like, I brought this up on the last episode I recorded with John that, you know, we did, like, a little, like, blind resume stat comparison thing. One of the players that was brought up was Ken Griffey Jr. and his stats. Imagine all the years he spent in Cincinnati when he was on the injured list every single year. If steroids were available to him and he would have gotten away with taking them, he possibly could have more home runs than Barry Bonds because he was on a trajectory to get that far, you know, before he left Seattle. Yes, I I completely agree. And as you say in your pin tweet on Twitter, steroids were fun. Loved having or excuse me, loved having them in the game. It kind of sucks. It's a little more boring now without them. Um, so one thing I wanted to get to with you, Cubs signed Dansby Swanson over the off season, yes. and I don't really think anybody is uprooting Ronald Acuna Jr. For National League MVP, there are a couple other names up there. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, guys having outstanding seasons. Dansby probably finishes in the top 10, though, for MVP voting in the National League. What have you made of his first season so far in the Chicago Cubs organization? He's been everything is advertised. I mean, he has provided great defense at shortstop. um, And, like, I I love the, you know, the seeming, you know, I guess like on the same pageness he has with Nico Horner with Nico Horner being an up and coming middle infielder too, who had been the shortstop before this year. And he was already a really good shortstop as well. He's transitioned even better into second base with Dansby Swanson playing right next to him. Um, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm actually a little uh, pleasantly surprised by how well he's doing at the plate. That seemed to be his one weak area when he was with the Braves. I mean, he, he did hit for some power. He didn't always hit for the best average or the best on base, but you know, he's doing very well at the plate compared to what he had done over the course of his career. Um, you know, he, he, he makes some great plays out there. He, he dives for balls. He jumps for balls. Like it, especially with the rule changes that went into play this season with uh, no shifts being allowed in baseball, it's vital to have a, a strong defensive middle of the infield like the Cubs have with Dansby and Nico Horner. And they haven't, when they brought in Cody Bellinger during the offseason, it wasn't necessarily the same feeling as when they brought in Dansby Swanson. Dansby was coming off this outstanding year with the Atlanta Braves. Um, Bellinger had like two or three straight years of kind of sucking with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'm sure some injuries played into that. He seems to be healthy and motivated and firing on all cylinders right now. What have you made of his season so far with the Chicago Cubs? I'm assuming you're happy they decided to keep him at the trade deadline. And what Very. would your numbers, your numbers in term, be in terms of a extension for Bellinger? I know it's kind of a long question, but it, 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 it's all good. I'll try and go one at a time in the in the order you did. Uh, you asked that. I mean, Cody Bellinger. That that was like a a very you know uh, a low risk high reward signing when they did it. You know you. 
can't really complain too much about a one-year deal uh, at the price they signed him for, which was basically, you know, the same price as a qualifying offer. So we see him rob a home run from Jason Hayward right there. Um, yeah, he, he has been amazing as both a center fielder and a first baseman, even probably more so as a first baseman, considering that that was a position that was a little bit of a hole earlier in the year for the Cubs. Uh, you know, they tried a couple guys out there and Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, Matt Mervis for a little bit there. Um, he has emerged as a, a, a guy that, you know, the Cubs would not be where they're at today without how well Cody Bellinger has performed both in the field and at the plate. I mean, he he's he's another guy, too, that like he missed some time due to injury. But if he keeps this pace up, he'll be right there with Dansby in the, you know, down ballot MVP race, I believe. Yes, I completely agree. And it's nice that the Cubs are able to actually spend money in free agency. You know, there's a team on the south side that doesn't like to do that at all. And and when they do, it's like middling relievers outside of Liam Hendricks. It's the one reliever they paid that actually turned out to work out okay. But the Cubs, they spend their money, and they've looked wise while doing it. Um, do you see the Cubs doing something similar again this offseason? Like, obviously, they have decisions to make with Stroman and Bellinger's contract, sure. But, you know, I, I know Shohei Otani is available, and I'm sure all 30 teams are going to be in the mix, at least giving his agent a call to see what's up over there. But, you know, is there another person out there that you're thinking about? Like, hey, if the Cubs could get this guy during the offseason, they could really be cooking with fire in 2024. Um, I mean – Definitely want them to target starting pitching at this point. Uh, you know, they've, you know, Justin Steele has emerged amazingly this season, uh, especially in his performance in the All-Star game. He really, you know, put his name on the map with that performance. But um, I, the the guy who I would really like to see them target this offseason, uh, starting pitcher from the San Diego Padres, who he's going to be a free agent and does have a little bit of a Chicago connection, because uh, his brother plays for the Bulls, uh, I would like them to go out and try and see if they can get Blake Snell from uh, from the Padres. I mean, they, they're they kind of in the same boat as the Cubs right now, kind of, you know, they, they had a rough little start, and they're, they're finding themselves back into the wild card race. Um, he, he's a lefty, you know, great stuff, former Cy Young winner with the Rays, famously got pulled way too early in a game the Rays could have forced to Game 7 of the World Series in 2020. Um, he's emerged as the ace of that staff. He was the ace in Tampa. Uh, he could very easily be a guy that, um, if the Cubs do sign him, you know, could be a guy that could mentor along, a, a Justin Steele, the same way that we saw John Lester mentor along Jake Arrieta and Kyle Hendricks when he first got here. Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mike, you have a connection to Palatine, Illinois. Is that correct? Uh, <laughs> I do. Uh, that's I, I live not too far from there, um, I, maybe about 10, 15 minutes away. But uh, there's maybe another Mike that's associated with the Cubs that has a little stronger connection to that. Yeah, so of course I was going to bring up Mike Talkman. He's from Palatine, Illinois. I lived in Palatine for a hot minute there, and now I think it's funny that uh, – this guy from Palatine, Illinois. I did he go to what high school? Did he go Fremd? to Did he go to Fremd? Yeah, he did go to yeah. Fremd. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I mean, just a really, really good season. 
so far made a name for himself with the Cubs. What are you thinking about his play and can he sustain it in the MLB over the next handful of years? Uh, can he sustain it? That's a tough question. To it's be a tough one. With you. Yeah. I mean, another guy too, that like you could, you could make the argument that the Cubs wouldn't be where they're at without how well he's performed as well. Um, he's really solidified the leadoff spot, even though Ross isn't playing him every single day, even though he's got, you know, better numbers against lefties and didn't face, didn't have him in the lineup last night against a lefty, but that's not here nor there. He's, he's done very well overall. Uh, you know, made a amazing catch against the Cardinals uh, a couple weeks ago to, uh, to end the game and rob a home run. He had a clutch hit against the Brewers a couple weeks before that, when the Cubs were down their last out to tie a game. Um, it seems like every big rally that the Cubs have been in since they've become like the hottest offense in baseball and scoring the most runs of any team since the all-star break, he's been right in the middle of every single rally. I think it's funny you touched on Ross not playing him every single day because my literal next question for you was to assess the performance of David Ross as manager. It's been up and down, I would say, over the last year, year and a half as the Cubs started to accelerate into win mode again. Um, Where are you on David Ross and what about the outlook going into next season as well? It's it's a weird spot with Ross. You know, he... um... He, he was signed for three years when they originally hired him to be manager, a decision I wasn't exactly in favor of, mostly because I didn't think that it was time for them to move on from Joe Madden. Um, you know, we, we all have our opinions about how Joe Madden managed this team. I thought he did a, a great job and, um, you know, he, he went on to the Angels, didn't do as well there, but they're not exactly doing so great after firing him as well. Um, when it comes to Ross, it, it's a tough spot because his first his first three years he was here, you know, he had the shortened season in 2020. They made the playoffs. They still had some of their good players remaining from the 2016 team. 2021, they do the sell-off in the middle of the season. You kind of expect them to be bad. 2022, same story, you know, not exactly a really talented team. They get hot late in the year to give them a little bit more respectable record and, you know, got to commend him for that. What I will say is that they gave him an, uh, a contract extension before last season for three more years, including this year, I believe. So two more years after this one. Um, I am not a fan of what he's done. I, I think that sometimes he um, he doesn't make the right lineup decisions. As, as I mentioned, you know, he, he doesn't really look at the splits too well when facing, uh, facing a, uh, a left-handed pitcher. Um, he'll put in a lot of guys who are just righties just for the sake of it being a righty lefty matchup. When there are guys that he's not playing that hit much better than the guys he does have in the lineup. Um, I do wonder how much of that is in order from Jed Hoyer uh, because, you know, he was brought in kind of as a, a guy who would be a little more obedient to the front office than Joe Madden seemingly was. Um, I think that, you know, like, like I said, the first couple of years he was here, I, it, it's hard to really complain about what he did considering the circumstances, but I do worry that he's the type of guy that, doesn't have the sort of feel for the game that a more veteran manager would that 
could potentially cost the Cubs down the stretch, you know, in making the playoffs or possibly winning a playoff series should they make it. Um, you know, with the extension, I, I, I now the, this highlight you're playing right here, I, I will say that he does stick up for his players very well. He, he does in, in times where, you know, the, there's a close call and it doesn't go their way. He will give it to the umpire. There was a, there was a pretty infamous moment. I believe he had against the Yankees right before the all-star break telling an umpire that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going on break tomorrow guys. And we're, uh, you know, how, how are you screwing up calls this badly when we get, when we're going to have the next week off? Um, you know, he, he's, he's seemingly about the same as, uh, as what most people would describe Joe Madden, I would say is like, you know, very good at managing a clubhouse as far as tactical, um, you know, we haven't really seen him in a big game situation, but, there's a lot to be desired from what I've seen this year uh, when it comes to his in-game decisions. Absolutely. And so I'm curious if this is an opinion that is yours or if other Cubs fans that you've talked to or had conversations with about it, do you find it funny that Wilson Contreras has had just an abysmal year with the St. Louis Cardinals? Or is it something that he's like kind of a World Series guy? Like he'll always be a guy in my corner, even though he kind of ran his mouth a little bit back in March or April, whenever it was. Where's your stance on him and his stinky season that he's having with his stinky team? I, you know, it, it would be a little bit more enjoyable if like, not that I want the Cardinals to be good, but like say if, if they were like just behind the Cubs trailing in the standings and it was like his poor performance that was kind of holding them back. I, I will always love Wilson for, you know, him being part of the world series teams and the playoff teams that followed. Um, I will say it, it, you know, it, it's not totally his fault that uh, the choice was there for him to join the Cardinals because the Cubs seemingly didn't really have much of an interest in, in bringing him back. Um, but at this point, like, you know, he, he kind of dug his own grave at that press conference saying that, uh, you know, he feels like he made the better choice and has joined the better organization and that he's always, you know, felt some sort of affinity for Yachty. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a big taboo to bring up among Cub fans because no one on the North side of Chicago really has much, uh, much good things to say about Yachty or Molina. Um, he, uh, he, I think there wasn't there a like a Players Tribune article he did where like he said like you know midway through the 2022 season I already saw myself as a Cardinal, uh, and, and like it, it's basically you know at that point like we appreciate you for for all you did but I don't know that I really miss him at this point and I'm I am kind of glad to see him doing poorly and, and again that does come with the benefit of. Jan Gomes performing very well in his place too. He has been one of the better hitting catchers in baseball. Shout out uh, Brazilian Wax, as I've nicknamed him. So, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I have. It has been nice to see that uh, you know the guy who thought he made a better choice by leaving here didn't exactly make the best choice. 
that's outstanding. You're a much nicer man than me. I would have been like, fuck you, Wilson, you asshole. <laughs> Piece of shit. You go play for our rival and now you suck. This is great. <laughs> You're a much nicer man than me. Um, the Cardinals have been incredibly disappointing. They're a joke. Um, I know hindsight makes it a lot easier, but does hindsight tell you that the Cubs made the right decision in July slash August of 2021? When it comes to selling off Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez, I watched Javier Baez swing at a pickoff attempt yesterday. <laughs> that sounds about right for Javi. Um, I mean, look, I love all those guys for what they did here. Uh, you know, you're you're going to hear me say that a lot when it comes to anyone connected to the 2016 Cubs. It's no longer here. Um, you know, they in the cases of. Bryant, Baez, Rizzo. Rizzo did have a couple nice years with the Yankees so far since leaving. Um, He's a little banged up right now. And, you know, that's a lot on the fault more of the Yankees for screwing up their concussion protocol than anything else. Um, I will say Rizzo is probably the one guy that I would say that I, I miss dearly here just for you know, the, the Cubs going into the season in, in a year where, like, it could have been – it has turned out to be, like, the first year with a new core being of being contenders. He would have been a nice guy to have around as, you know, that veteran leader uh, to bring along and to bring along some of the young guys that they have called up. Um, it, it, we, we thought we were getting, like, a, you know, store brand version of that with Eric Hosmer earlier this year and that – kind of blew up in our face. Um, but, uh, and also, you know, he, he is arguably one of the best defensive first basemen of, uh, of this past decade too. So, you know, that's one issue that the Cubs did have earlier this year that uh, has been fixed somewhat by Cody Bellinger getting some time over at first base. Um, as far as Baez and Bryant goes, again, love them for what they did. Not exactly unhappy that they're gone because they have not been they, – they haven't really even it, – it's weird. Like, yeah, their stats have been bad, but, like, in the case of Javi, he hasn't even been Javi. Like, when he's not base and he's not, you know, making the swim moves on the bases and, you know, trying to stretch doubles into triples and, you know, tr- try and score from first on a on a single like he used to here, like, that's – you lose a little bit of the what you appreciated with him when you don't see that from him. Absolutely. And listen, I, I think what they've done since shipping off those guys, yeah, Rizzo, he's obviously missed, and he's just one of the great human beings to ever play for Chicago sports. But, I mean, what they've done so far this season has been impressive, especially I think they have an over 500 record in every month except May, and Correct. that which is just – incredible because if they were like decent in may they would like be firmly in a wild card spot but they're pushing for one now um i i don't see a single team outside of the playoffs in either league that's better than the cubs on paper um i mean i really i don't think so the diamondbacks have fallen off there are even a couple teams in a playoff spot that i think the cubs are better than the reds i think they're better than the brewers right so they could easily win the nl central as well they're just going to need to stay hot it's hard to jump teams but i always say on this show the atlanta braves are the best team in the national league and then second place is kind of distant the dodgers right and 
you know, outside of those two, even though they could easily be upset in the first round by a wild card team as they were last year. We saw the Phillies roll all the way to the World Series from the National League. Do you the Braves kinda... the year before that with like the lowest win total of any playoff team? Too. 88 wins, I think, or yeah. something like that. Could you see that for the Cubs this year or a, a team like the Cubs middle of the pack wild card throughout the regular season and they're just getting hot in August and September? It's if somebody can upset the Braves, it's anybody's game in the National League. That's a tough call, man, especially I would have said earlier in the year when Marcus Stroman was looking very strong that like the Cubs could potentially have been that team because you know, you would know it better than anyone in the White Sox fan with the performances you saw in 05 that pitching is what wins in the playoffs. Um, we'll see what Marcus Stroman looks like once he gets back off the injured list. As of right now, the Cubs have – they do have three guys in the rotation currently that I feel pretty confident in. Uh, Justin Steele obviously has been great throughout the entire season um Kyle Hendricks has bounced back in a big way had a nice performance last night uh he you know missed a good chunk of the season on the injured list but he's looked like his old self since returning and then a guy who started off pretty poorly but has come on strong in his last uh four or five starts Jameson Thion he's looked like the guy that the Cubs you know were envisioning when they had signed him um you know to match that up against uh you know, a, a trio of like Kershaw, Urias, and Gonsolin. If they have to face the Dodgers, that could be some some tough sledding. We've also seen the Dodgers, you know, not exactly live up to their potential in a short series, like when they got beat against uh, the Washington Nationals a few years ago. So, you know, it, it's October baseball. Anything can happen. Um, they do have a really strong bullpen, you know, especially with Adbert Alzali taking the road, Alzali, excuse me taken uh, the ropes as closer. Uh, I believe he's 11 for 11 since taking over that role. Uh, Michael Fulmer, who had previously been closer and struggled mightily in that role, has turned out to be an exceptional middle reliever. Uh, you've gotten strong performances out of Mark Leiter. You've gotten strong performances out of, uh, who am I forgetting, Julian Merriweather. Um, the, the one weakness for them when it comes to pitching is that they currently don't employ, or maybe they do employ one lefty in the bullpen, but you might need a little more than that when facing the likes of Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson in October. Uh, you know, they, they do have Anthony Kay, who's been up and down. They have Brandon Hughes, who's on the injured list. We'll see if we maybe see him coming down the stretch, but um, that is one area of concern I would have for this pitching staff. You were a frequent listener of the Section 10 podcast back in the day, right? I was, yes. Shout my, out Jared. It is my all-time favorite podcast. I like the name Redacted Podcast on DraftKings, but it's not Section 10. Um, but do you remember they had a segment called Fucking with Hubs? <laughs> and they yes to talk shit was, about the Yankees. Yes, yes, it was to talk shit about the Yankees. And they had when Davy Garcia was first coming up, Jared would go, "Oh, the Yankees! They got Davy! We got Davy! <laughs> oh, Davy! Davy!" <laughs> and then there was the D- you made me think of the DD Gregorius one too when they were, "Oh, look at DD! Oh my oh, God, DD!" But I remember the Davy thing. The uh, Hobbs thought Davy Garcia was going to lead them to the World Series as their ace. The White Sox just claimed him off rate waivers as of six months oh. ago. And they opted there you go. The White Sox are back, baby. 
The White Sox are back. So that leads me to <laughs> my last baseball question for you, Mike. I know you're a Cubs guy, but you appreciate the White Sox. You follow the White Sox. You have a pretty good grasp on what's going on there. I assume what do they need to do right now to get oh, this boy. thing turned in the right direction? If you can go to one thing, Tony La Russa's gone. Jose Abreu's gone. The veterans are being slowly but surely shipped out. Where does Mike Prasnowski lead them if he's in charge? Uh, at this point with the White Sox, like – I, I hate to say it. I, I know I, I'm actually, I don't know where you stand on this. And I, I think most of White Sox Twitter and my following would agree on this. Uh, but the one guy who probably won't agree on this is the guy making the calls in Jerry Reinsdorf. I think you guys need to just do a full on rebuild at this point. Just, just fully commit like the 2012 Cubs did find your version of the Theo Epstein, you know, overhaul, you know, revamp that entire farm system and, you know, try and see if you can build up the, the type of system that the Cubs did build up in the mid 2010s that, uh, you know, produce guys like Chris Bryant and, uh, you know, Jorge Soler, Kyle Hendricks, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But, um, you know, that's, to me, that, that seems like the best course of action at this point. I mean, you do, I will say you do have two very good pieces to build around in Luis Robert and Dylan Cease. You're welcome for that one. Um, I mean, there were some rumors about Dylan Cease possibly being on the move this trade deadline, and I know he struggled this year. We saw how good he was coming up through both the Cubs and the White Sox systems, and he damn near won the Cy Young last year. I, I – Maybe you go to him at this point after a down year and approach him for like one of the team friendly deals that you gave out to, uh, you know, Aloy Jimenez and to a lot of your younger players early in their career. Try and lock him up long term like the Braves did with a lot of their young guys. And then from there, just rip the rest of the thing down to the studs and see if you could be competitive again in maybe, you know, two or three years. And that's the thing I think people fail to remember when it comes to like the Cubs rebuild in 2012, whenever Theo started. Um, it wasn't just players. It was revamping the player development system. And that's why the Cubs were able to tear it down in 2021 and we're already seeing positive results in 2023, two years later. It's because their minor league system and the way they go about like their philosophies of handling talent and stuff is so much better than it was pre-Theo. And that might live on for a long time. And Jed is a part of the Theo branch. So it's not like things have changed too much in the other areas of the team where the White Sox don't even have that like baseline development program that helps them get the most out of these players. Where even if they did rebuild it again, there's a good chance it would just be more of the same because in the lower levels, they don't have this revamped approach to developing talent and the minor league systems. It's still Chris Getz developing people down there. Like it, it, it's <laughs> he's just, a popular name from what I've seen on White Sox Twitter. Yeah, exactly. And if they were to fire Rick Hahn and just hired Chris Getz, not much would change. It would just be Rick Hahn 2.0, you know, another yes man for Jerry to boss around. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. I hope we're all wrong about the White Sox and next year they come in strong. But 
you know, when you're on the south side of Chicago, you are looking forward to the upcoming fall when you have two teams expected to be wildly improved over where they were last year. I'll lead off with the Chicago Bears. What's your take on them so far in training camp? And where do you have them coming out this year? I am loving it. I, I, I'm loving everything I'm seeing with them going down from, you know, the trade for the number one pick that got us DJ Moore and number nine pick next year. Um, you know, they really beefed up that defense with TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, just a few days ago, Yannick and Gakwe. They're going to be the most improved team in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, I see them going. I, I, I would have them. I would pick them about nine and eight. Um, maybe that might just be good enough to win the NFC North this year with how wide open everything is seemingly with the Vikings wanting to go through a rebuild, you know, no more Aaron Rodgers in green Bay and things aren't looking too well with Jordan love up in green Bay right now too. I don't know if you've heard any of the reports coming out of there, but uh, you know, the one wild card will be the lions. They came on strong at the end of last year. Um, They did take, David Montgomery from us, and, uh, you know, that could be a huge blow for the the Bears running game, but they seemingly do have uh, good reinforcements in Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, and, of course, as we can see right now, QB1, he can run the ball pretty damn well, too. Um, Although, hopefully, you know, as he has said, he would like to not run as much next year, and, you know, he does have some better options now, hopefully more to Dante Pettis, more, you know, we'll have some DJ Moore highlights in there. Cole Komet has looked really good in training camp so far. So I'm I'm hyped for the Bears. They're they're probably like the team upcoming at least. It, like I didn't know going into this Cubs season if they would be as good as they are this deep in into the season. At, at that point when the season started like yeah I was you always have some optimism for when a baseball season starts but I'll tell you after the moves they made this offseason like I've never been more hyped for a football season than this one I agree and you know the Cubs they don't have to play what's called or they don't get to play what's called the last play schedule they're playing the same schedule as you know a lot of the other teams in their division. The Bears are about to play a last place schedule. Every last place exactly. team from last season, and most of them didn't improve um, as well as they did. So, and then their seventeenth game, that extra AFC game that they added, that's against the last place team from last year as well. So, I mean, and the division kind of stinks right now. So, this is a good time for the Bears to possibly go on a little run here. Now, the team on the west side of town, the Chicago Blackhawks, won the draft lottery, and Connor Bedard is. Yes coming to Chicago I legitimately think there's a chance he's the third best player in the NHL within three years like it's hard for me to see anybody passing up McDusty even Connor Bedard wasn't quite Connor McDavid Connor Bedard on the Regina Pats wasn't quite uh, Connor McDavid on the Erie Otters but he's close he's damn close I think he's already better than McKinnon and Jack Hughes and Rasmus Dahlin and the other number one picks from the previous years he probably won't show it statistically this season but in terms of overall ceiling he's got those guys beat in my opinion and then there's Kale McCarr who is Bobby Orr reincarnated Mm. and I think he's so clearly the second best player in the NHL but what are your expectations of Connor Bedard next year as a rookie? You know, Calder Trophy, a number of points. Like, what's on your mind with him next year? And then possibly 
even allow yourself to think about his potential career and what that might turn into if he reaches his ceiling. I'm very excited to see Connor Bedard this season. Um, I, you know, in, in the first year with with a player of that of that skill level, um, you know, he he is very clearly going to be the bless, the best player on the Hawks. Uh, you know, he'll be you know, he'll be a franchise player going forward, but you know, these will be some lean years coming into it. I I, I think, you know, what we have to focus on is, is just, you know, appreciating him beating up on, on a a lot of favorable assignments, you know, hopefully he can, he he can create a lot of shots, uh, score a lot of goals. Um, He will have, you know, some, some nice uh, companion that's on his line with two, you know, pretty well-traveled vets in uh, Taylor Hall, who you're familiar with as a Devils fan, and uh, and Corey Perry. Um, you know, he, he'll have good guys around him to learn as he goes. Um, but for the first couple of years with him on the Hawks, it may be a little bit of a uh, – maybe a little bit of a slog the way that, you know – the, the first years of, I mean, hell, he'll, he'll have a good guy to bring him along in Taylor Hall because that's kind of how it was for him with the Oilers his first couple of years after going number one overall. So, you know, um, Hawks, I believe, are going in the right direction. Um, but, you know, the, I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they're going to be Stanley Cup contenders this year. I do think that, you know, maybe this time next year, we're talking about a team that could be, uh, a, a wild card team in the Western Conference, uh, if they add on a few more pieces. Um, but yeah, as far as this season goes, you know, uh, it, it the, the hype is all in Bedard, and you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully that uh, they can realize that and build around him as as his career goes on. In this modern era, post lockout of like number one picks. I'm pretty sure McDavid, Matthews, Heischer, and McKinnon were all the guys who like broke 50 points as a rookie as number one picks. Mm-hmm. Hall played with two of them on their lines, wow. Heischer and McDavid. The year Hall won the MVP with the Devils, Heischer was a rookie, and he was Hall was great for him. And Heischer, great player. Selkie Trophy nominee came in second. He's Jonathan Taves reincarnated. I was going to say, wasn't there like a long run of like Taylor Hall being on teams that continually won the number one pick? Right? So, so Taylor, Taylor Hall was on, um, he was a number one pick. Then the right. following year, the Oilers won the lottery again and they took Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Right. And then uh, two years after that, they won it again and took Nail Yakupov. So that's, Ooh, that's yeah, that, that one, that one failed. <laughs> then he goes to New Jersey. They win the lottery and get Heischer. They mm-hmm. win the lottery again and get Hughes. He ends up in Buffalo. Oh. They win the lottery and get Owen Power. Owen Power, Chicago they, Steel alum. Yes, exactly. And they had Rasmus Dahlin as a rookie when Taylor Hall got there. And then he comes to the Blackhawks the year after they acquire the number one pick and get Connor Bedard. So he does have his experience with this. I love when I hear people say, Bedard has nobody around him. I don't know how anybody expects this kid to have a good year. I'm like, he has nobody around him in terms of depth. And that's why the Hawks are going to have a stinky record this year. But in terms of the talent surrounding him specifically, Athanasiu Hall, Perry, 
uh, even guys, if Perry plays in the bottom six with Felino, mm-hmm. they'll still be on the power play, and he's got Seth Jones quarterbacking the power play. This team's going to be Connor Murphy. The, yeah, yes. they they he will put up some points with the players around him. It's just he's also probably going to be on the ice for a lot of goals against too. But you know that's part of the learning process. Exactly, and they have bad goaltending, and I hate their defense outside of Jones and Murphy. Uh, yeah, I really don't like their defense all that much at all. If they bring up some of the kids, that might be a struggle too. But I, I like really like Lucas Reichel. Um, the Hawks are going to be entertaining, competitively bad is what we For like sure. to say about them. Um, but, Mike, it has been my absolute pleasure talking Chicago sports with you, specifically the Cubs here on Crosstown Crosstalk. This is now your moment to promote anything you got going on in the near future, something you might want to talk about. I know there was a tweet you wanted to promote earlier in the week when we were chatting about you coming on here. So lay it all out there. Talk till the cows come home about things related to you. Sure. So, um, you know, as you can see under my name there, follow me on Twitter, Prazmaster, uh, our account uh, for the podcast, Bums in Bleachers. Couldn't get Bums in the Bleachers. Damn it, Elon, you wouldn't let me fit that all in there. Um <laughs> Shout out to, uh, you know, the, the Chicago sports bums for giving me the opportunity and uh, feeling the need to expand to uh, the other side of town as well, especially Jason, the head bum in charge. Um, they have a promotion going on. Uh, you know, they're big bourbon drinkers over at uh, the bums, and uh, they wound up getting uh, a deal with uh, CD Liquors and Bolingbrook uh, for a Single barrel pick uh, with Knob Creek and CD Liquors. It's 120 proof. Um, retails at $69.99. Uh, for all you bourbon and whiskey drinkers out there who, you know, if that's in your price range, uh, give uh, shoot Jason a DM. He could maybe reserve a bottle for you. He could possibly pick up a bottle for you. Um, you, know, you could arrange a, a way to meet up with him for that. So, um Believe his handle on Twitter is at headbum in charge, or or you could try DMing at shy sports bums as well. But uh, yeah, CD Liquors, three forty four South Bolingbrook Drive in Bolingbrook, just north of I fifty five. If if you're a bourbon drinker, you're gonna love this. Very good, Mike. You do great stuff. I'm excited to uh, hear what you got coming up next with the with the show and we'll be listening and we'll have you on again soon, especially if the Cubs make it to the playoffs. I'd love to get some more insight as things get ready for the big games. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you for having me on Vinny. Absolutely. Anytime. It's my pleasure. And everybody in the chat, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show today. Make sure you tune into the rest of the shows here at the Barroom network. I will be back on Monday night with the South Burbs Hitman as we break down all things, Chicago white Sox. And next week, Bar Down Talking Hockey, we are going to do the top 20 centers in the NHL. Gee, I wonder who I'm going to name at number one. Will I put Connor Bedard on the list? Where am I going to put Jack Hughes? I'm super biased. Probably number five. Tune in for that. You have to tune in to find out, though. So make sure you come do that and check out everything going on with Mike and the Twitter handles you see on the screen. Follow him on Twitter. Listen to his podcast. Um, I can't thank everybody enough for being a part of this. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.